Hello, and welcome to You Should Hear This, a podcast for the everyday association professional. I'm Nick Estrada, your host. A central experience for many associations, but not all, is the variety of events they hold. This can include in-person events like conferences, workshops, networking programs, and their online experiences like webinars, LMS education, and asynchronous learning. We know planners have a lot to think about when planning these events. And when planning, a key concept that often is secondary to many other things is that of the accessibility of our attendees. Organizers need to be mindful of the accessibility of their attendees, member and non-member alike. So where do we even begin? What are those questions that need to be asked of our event hosts? How do we get closed captioning on our webinars? Are the ways our organization's communication accessible to everyone? Do I even need to have a budget for this? Our guest today will provide some insight on these questions, provide examples, and much more. Jerry Moody, CMP, is the Executive Director for Avail Meeting Planning and Speaker Bureau Services. With more than 20 years of experience in the industry, Jerry oversees the day-to-day functions and resources required to execute successful programs with a focus on maximizing staff utilization, as well as assessing and assigning projects accordingly, all while keeping process and regulations in the forefront. Jerry graduated from the University of Evansville in Indiana with a Bachelor of Science in Mass Communications and a minor in Business Administration. In her free time, Jerry enjoys spending time with her husband, Chandler, and two kids, Reagan and Luke. Also can't forget their dog, Rocky. As a family, they enjoy all sorts of sports, building Legos. They've even turned one of their rooms in the house into a display room and traveling to see family in Colorado annually. Now, Jerry, we're so excited to have you here, but before I even give you a chance to introduce yourself, I now have to ask you, what are some of your favorite Lego displays in this display room? <laughs> I totally forgot that was part of my bio. <laughs> um, so if you must know, it started over COVID, right? When everyone was locked in and trying to figure out what to do. So we decided to start building Legos. It started small. We not only have a display room, but we've converted our formal dining room into our family build room. So everyone has their seat and works on whatever they're building in the evenings. We each kind of have our specialties. So I really like building actual buildings. I'm mm. working on the very the new jazz club that was just released. Oh. Um, my husband pr- prefers working on the cars and the kind of technical robot ones that move. And then of course, my stepdaughter loves the Harry Potter series. And then my son, anything to do with Minecraft and the Super Mario. So it's just something we like to do as a family. We've even vacationed in Legoland um, in cool. Florida. So I mean, you're never too old for Legos. No, never. That's a lot of fun. I like that. <laughs> well, now to why you're here with us today. Before we get started um, in on this, you know, a very important topic of accessibility, especially around meetings and events, can you just tell us a little bit about your background, where you came from, how you've ended up, kind of where you are today? Absolutely. So as you mentioned, I went to college at the University of Evansville. I am originally from Indianapolis, moved back there after school. So currently I'm located in Carmel and you aged me. I've been in the meeting planning field for over 20 years. So that has mostly been in the healthcare and pharmaceutical realm. However, I did have a stint there in the middle where I actually was so interesting. I escorted groups, which included 200 teenagers, and then I've done smaller groups of senior citizens overseas um, to go on group tours. So definitely interesting. Talk about accessibility can definitely explain the differences between America and Europe when (laughs) it comes to that. 
But like I said, mostly um, in the healthcare pharmaceutical industry, when I first got started, I had no idea that this was a career that someone could have. I went to school for communications. I got that elusive very first job as a marketing assistant, actually in politics. And the events manager at, at that company just kind of took me under her wings that I think that you would really enjoy this kind of aspect in this field. So that's what really got me started. And I've not turned away since. So it's definitely interesting. Nick mentioned I'm currently the executive director of Avail Meeting Planning and Speaker Bureau Services. We do focus on healthcare and the pharmaceutical industry, doing everything from smaller meetings to national sales meetings, and then also small and large association meetings. I really like working in this space because it changes every day. It mm -hmm. seems like there's lots of rules, lots of regulations, they change. But it also helps me kind of fill my heart bucket, if you will, um, as kind of what's my why. I knew I was never going to be a doctor growing up. I knew I was never going to cure cancer. But if I can help feed and provide a venue for those people who are curing cancer to learn more and get educated, then I kind of feel like I'm doing my part. So definitely it, it gives me my, my reason for being in my career. That's a pretty cool way to think about. Um, and I think in associations, we, we probably have an opportunity to do that a lot as well, right? Like mm -hmm. I may not be, I don't know, uh, you know, a doctor, but if I'm for that association, right, I'm providing a space and providing an experience for them to continue to move their knowledge forward to do the things that they're there to do. Um, and I think that that it's just a new refreshing way to think about that, I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So as we, again, today we're talking about accessibility, right? And I think there's a lot of different ways probably to think about accessibility. So before we talk about like what it looks like, how we do the things around it, for you, how do you define accessibility? So if I'm a planner, right, I'm in your shoes, how do I know that that is an accessibility issue or is that something that I should be thinking about? Right, and I think accessibility, right, even just a couple of years ago, people would think, oh, well, maybe that's just physical handicaps. Um, do we have attendees or speakers, members or non-members who are in wheelchairs? Do we have any types of, of disabilities like that? Because you think that's just what's, what's kind of natural. You check into hotel rooms, you see um, if you're in an accessible room or not. But I definitely think in the past years, accessibility is is not as clearly defined. It's, it's a wider definition. So it can mean anything from maybe mental help, some things um, that I'll talk about later that we can, we can kind of do to help folks with their mental health while they're on site at meetings. It means dietary preferences. This is something that we have seen completely blown up where several, you know, 20 years ago, it was just, I'm a vegetarian, but now it's gluten-free, lactose-free. There's all these different um, kinds of diets that people like to follow, whether that be medically necessary or just a preference. <laughs> it's still something that we like. People just want to be heard. So we want to acknowledge anytime that they come forward with, with a way that, that we can help them be more comfortable at a meeting or an event. Yeah. So kind of this global look of making them feel more comfortable. I like that concept, right? We all want to be comfortable. I think we all probably learn best when we're comfortable. So I think that's a good outlook. When we're thinking about it, maybe even a little bit deeper, 
what should accessibility look and feel like for the end user, right? So in this in this scenario, right, our end user is our attendee. Mm -hmm. um, so what should that look like for them? Right. So I really think there's got to be a focus on that attendee experience. The content of the meeting is extremely important, whether folks are coming to your meeting or event for education or for networking. Of course, kind of the meat of the meeting is very important, but without that customer, that end user experience, they're not really going to get any of the meat of the meeting either. So I like to think that if their logistical experience is easy, then they can focus on that true purpose of attending the meeting, whether it like I said, is education or networking. They shouldn't have to worry that they won't be properly taken care of. So they can just kind of ease that and, and go on with the purpose of that meeting. So I really think the main thing, it comes down to customer service. Um, we talked about making that person feel not only important, but heard. And to know that they have someone who, who really truly does want to make their experience great, whether it's you know helping them take their plate to the table during lunch or pointing them in the right direction of a the nearest elevator ramps and whatnot. So yeah. I think right, you, you mentioned this. I think most of our planners probably know the really big things to look for, right? We know if we're on a site visit, we should be thinking about where the wheelchair ramps are, how, okay, if I'm going to move people from this room to this room and the only way is stairs, where's my nearest elevator? Mm -hmm. Right. I think we we know those kinds of components. But what are what are some other things, and you mentioned this already, right? Some things maybe we can do to help take care of mental health for folks while they're on site. What are some of the other things that we should be looking for, especially maybe even just in a site visit right. or after we've contracted, right? Um, but what are some of those other kind of key things to just keep a lookout for? Yes. Well, I definitely, I mean, you you hit it with the, the ramps and the elevators, but some other things you wouldn't necessarily think about are what are going to be your gathering areas or your, your common space areas, if you will. So thinking about when people are first checking in for your meeting or your registration, that can kind of get a little congested. So making sure that you have just a large enough space and you're not only accommodating for those in wheelchairs, but also accommodating for those who now in the new normal don't want to be too close to other people. Um, so it's kind of thinking about that, even as far as in those spaces, if you're making like the stanchion lines to keep to keep your lines organized, make sure those are wide enough mm. so that anyone in a wheelchair or again with mobility issues or just want to stay a little distance have that you know, and can, can very easily do that. And I think it's, so, you know, also another thing you could think of is reserve seating, like inside your general session or your meetings. And where do you put that reserve seating, right? You don't want to put it just in the front when everyone else is coming in and sitting in the back. You don't want to have that reserve seating in the back when everyone else is in the front. So, you know, reserve two and then let that person know, hey, I've got two different areas reserved. What would be your preference? And again, it's that customer service part of not just like having the two reserve seats, but making sure that those attendees know that you have those mm -hmm. and don't just assume that they will find them. Well, and I like in the example you just gave there too, we're not assuming that they want to sit at the front either, right? Mm -hmm. You're saying I've given you a couple areas where we could seat you. What's your preference? 
because I think a lot of the times we would just say it's easy. There's a spot up of, uh, up at the front for you. And right. maybe if I'm an individual who's in a wheelchair, I'm saying, well, I don't know that I want to go to the front, right? <laughs> uh, maybe I, just, I, I do want to sit in the back. Um, but mm-hmm. so you've given them that kind of choice. Um, and I think that that, because uh, everybody else, right, that's attending has a choice of where right. yeah. they want to sit likely. Um, and so I think that that's a, a really interesting piece of information there to kind of take away. Right, definitely. And I know you were asking kind of about mental health. So it's people with sensory issues or even those that are like prime prime for headaches or migraines. It can be loud at association Mm -hmm. meetings, right? So can we provide a quiet room, which is a place where they can go? Maybe the lights are a little dimmer. And again, make sure that they know that it's there for them, that they can go in there and just kind of relax, get away from the noise. Another thing that's really big to think about is nursing mother rooms. Again, this is not something, if I wasn't a meeting planner, I would never have thought as a nursing mother that someone could help accommodate me. I would just Mm -hmm. assume that that's a burden I would have to take on my own to be able to find a space to go and things like that. So there's definitely so many realms when it comes to accessibility that I don't want folks to just think that means in terms of physical handicaps. Yeah, you bring up the, the the nursing mother piece, and I think I'm actually working with an organization right now for their, their annual conference, and rather than have a specific room for any any one thing, they have a space that can be reserved, right? And it could be for a variety of things. Um, their event is over a religious holiday, right? So somebody may feel like they need to go in um, and pray or, you know, just take a moment of peace for themselves in order to observe Nursing mothers might need that space. Someone with auditory, you know, kind of issues where they feel like they just want to step away and be in a quiet space. Um, what's nice with that, right, is that there's no judgment. It's just come up. You just ask us that you need it for a little bit. We unlock the room for you and you go in. And I think that that's, again, I would say, had they not shared that, I would have probably not thought of that as an idea of, you know, I've heard of nursing mother rooms, but that's where I would have right. said, like, that's specifically what it's for. Um, and so I think there's a, a a lot of ways we can accomplish the same end goal for a variety of people. Yeah, I like that idea too, to just make it a general, hey, I just want to sit and take a time out, you know, mm-hmm. yep. I, yes, very valuable. So knowing that accessibility, and I'm going to apologize in advance, I think this is a new question. I didn't uh, plan to ask you this one. <laughs> knowing that it doesn't just happen at the event, right? There's a lot of places where accessibility can impact an attendee experience, right? That could be from the registration process all the way to a no before you go email, the app that they might be using on site, right? Like there's a lot of touch points where accessibility can come into play. So how do our event planners make sure that this conversation is at the forefront and infused throughout the experience? Mm-hmm. Right. That's a great question because you don't want to just make it a question on your registration form and then you never address it again. Or folks put down some special needs that they might have and they never hear from anyone. And Mm -hmm. so you don't know if they're going to have gluten-free food or anything like that. So I think that part does come back down to customer service. And it is to ask that question on any registration, invitation that you have. And don't just ask it as, do you have any special needs? Because again, people might think, oh, that just means, do I have any special, you know, do I have any physical limitations? But not think that to put down that, hey, I'm a nursing mother, I could mean Mm -hmm. this, or hey, I'm prone to migraines, I could mean this. 
So if you've got room, you know, you might list several things, especially as examples. You know, some examples would include wheelchair, maybe limited sight issues, mm -hmm. uh, maybe some hearing issues, and then just to have someone from your staff follow up with them. Um, let them know they're heard, let them know they saw, tell them what they are going to do to accommodate them on site. And then I think the most important thing is that they have your name and your phone number or your email so that they can get a hold of you if they need to. But a lot of times just knowing that they have a person will really help put their mind at ease. So I just think it's it's making sure that that they feel comfortable with everything. I think that follow-up is key too, because if you're unsure, just ask, right? If I put in there that I can't see, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. Am I fully blind? Am I partially blind? You know, is it I cannot see, I cannot discern the colors on a screen? That helps me as a planner now, right? Better understand what it is I can do to assist you. And again, going back to the word you used, because I really liked it. How do I make you feel comfortable at our event so that you can participate fully like everyone else. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's also another thing that I feel like now in the new normal, we are all more apt to talk about things where before it's like, oh, I don't want to reach out to them and talk about this now, which is fantastic. I feel like people are a lot more open with issues that they might have and more willing to discuss it. And, and it's just that don't be intimidated to ask you're right, those probing questions. You don't want to spend a lot of money to provide something special where perhaps that guest just needed to sit in the front row mm -hmm. you know, so they could just reserve a front row so they could see the um, the slides or the information closer. So, yeah. Absolutely. You know, I think it's hard to talk about accessibility without talking about uh, ADA, right? So the Americans, if you're in the U.S. at least, especially yes. where, where you're planning an event, Within the United States, um, the Americans with Disabilities Act, I want to say of 1976, maybe or something like that. I probably have that year wrong uh, <laughs> when it was passed. And it's been amended several times, right, to kind of keep up with expectations. Right. Can you just share a little bit about what is that law? Why do planners in the U.S. need to be thinking about that law? And then with that law, I think comes, right, there's two categories. There's a requirement. I have to provide something. And then there may be some things that would be helpful, again, to maybe help somebody feel comfortable, but I, I may not be legally required to provide that. Right. So the ADA um, guidelines are very broad, but what they're not very broad on is who it pertains to. So this is really going to come to play with your venues. And it is a requirement for any venue, no matter how big or how small, that they can they follow these ADA guidelines. I think it's if they were built after a certain year, right? You know, anything that was built in the 30s wouldn't be held to this, but you also probably would not be having a big event in a building built in the 30s. And I just looked up the year again because I was definitely wrong. <laughs> uh, it's 1990. So as again, as folks think about to what you were just talking about, Jerry, right. right? Like as we think about when the law was passed, that impacts a lot of those things as well in terms of why we are not holding a building built in the 1930s to the same standards as a modern construction right. building. Right. So due to ADA, you know, they must provide if they're a multi-level venue, they must provide elevators, you know, you've got to have ramps. If you have stairs, you've got to have, you know, I think escalators is something. 
And they know, I mean, Nick, you and I are both CMPs, so people probably don't know the ADA rules to the extent that we had to memorize them, but it even goes as far as how high a toilet handle, a toilet flusher has to be from the ground. So of course, that's not something you're gonna go measure on a site visit, but you definitely have to make sure that, that they do not only hold to the ADA guidelines, but if they don't, and this is an example that I seriously just went through a couple of weeks ago, where was having a larger meeting at a hotel. We had a guest speaker who was in a handicap or who was handicapped. So we asked the hotel to provide a ramp for them to get on stage. And their response was, we don't have one here on site. We can look into renting one, but we have to pass the, the charge on to you. And we said, no, that's something that you should have. And if you don't have it, then you take the responsibility of obtaining that, right? That's part of that. And we did cite the ADA law. So in return, they did end up eating the cost of, of renting that. So it's just, you know, knowing that you have the power when it comes to things like that, and you would ask for, for things to look for. So it's just that and making sure that you have those communications with the hotel when you feel like something doesn't feel right or it feels like something they should provide to, to fight for it, to ask for it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. As we think about all the things that we could do for somebody, right? Again, to your point, let's have those good conversations. Let's make sure we know what we need to be providing. And, and you've just mentioned it with the stage, right? Mm -hmm. All these things are not always free. Right. So how does a planner begin to build a budget that ensures we have space to support some of these kinds of things? Again, because not every solution is going to be a venue's responsibility to cover. Right? Correct. Yes. Um, some of those are going to be things for us. So mm -hmm. how do we plan for that kind of a budget? Do you have a recommendation on a, is there a percentage of your, of your conference, you know, budget that should be to this space you know i don't know what are your thoughts yeah so i would definitely say maybe plan a little bit of budget for it or at least have that conversation at the very beginning of you know hey we're just practicing risk management here this could come up it might come up especially helps if you have historical knowledge of working with mm. that group or what's happened in the past but i think it's again it's utilizing that registration site and checking it often and checking that box in particular to keep a running total because then at the beginning it could be um maybe you find out you're going to have an attendee who's hearing impaired so again right you go and you ask them well what does this mean do you need a you know somebody who can do sign language or do you just need to sit at the front closer to the stage and the podium mm -hmm. But then there's definitely things that it doesn't have to blow your budget. Um, one of our favorite things to utilize is actually your local college. So if you need translators, a lot of schools are going to have fourth year, you know, French or Spanish students who would love to come assist. And it's going to be at a fraction of the cost mm -hmm. of hiring a professional translator or you know same thing with sign language so you know really think about what's in your area that that you can utilize to really help out so again it doesn't have to break the budget yeah i think those are some really great ideas on on ways to approach you know i think another just area just generally is talk to other meeting professionals uh we've all probably yes. experienced 
something of a similar sort somewhere and we had to come up with a solution you know so find find your tribe right within oh yeah isae or other meeting spaces and mm-hmm. and chat with that person who might be able to help you get an answer or just ask broadly right hey i've got this who else might be able to help me because you've dealt with this before mm-hmm. again just to come up with new creative ways to serve that individual so that again i'm going to keep using the phrase because i really do like it that we make them feel comfortable right. and that they can participate fully in the program yes yes absolutely use your network you know yeah yeah everyone's been through probably pretty much everything so eventually you're going to find someone who's had the same problem or has a potential solution that you can at least scout out yeah absolutely changing gears just a little bit you know the we've seen a, I think a shift to quite a few virtual opportunities, right? I think many groups before were doing webinars. So it's not like we've never done anything online, but I think mm-hmm. the extent to which we're now seeing online experiences. And again, I think that's a key word, right? Experiences, right? They're, they're fully participating in that program or that education. What are some, some key things that we need to be thinking about both for those online experiences or just digital communication in general around our events to ensure that they're accessible for everyone. Right. I think like when you're providing either just digital invitations or, you know, you've got ads online or sending through email is again, to always have a person that they can call, have a name and a phone number and email address listed on there, Mm -hmm. not just if you have any questions, contact ISA, but know that there is a person providing email address because people might not be comfortable talking on the phone, provide phone because people might not be comfortable utilizing mm-hmm. email. And that's a good way to, to ask folks, you know, hey, would you prefer that I mail you a copy of this invitation or mm-hmm. things like that? And it's really to kind of know also the demographics of your group. If you are working with a, let's just say, more tenured <laughs> age of group, they might be less apt to, to use an app on site. They might, you know, not be so keen on paying the registration fees online. Um, so it's really just kind of keeping all of that in mind and knowing your audience. Mm-hmm. If you've got a younger uh, demographic for your group, you know, do we do a meeting hashtag? Do we do, you know, all these things that you wouldn't do if you know that you've got kind of that older audience. But then as far as, you know, the webinars and going that way, it's a hard nut to crack as far as making everyone's experience fantastic on a webinar. What works for one person's not going to work for another. So what we have found is, you know, we make meeting materials available that folks can either look at electronically, or if they want to, they have the option to download it and print it out and follow along like that if they don't, you know, just want to stare at the screen during the whole time. So I definitely think it's not just assuming that everyone's where you are when it comes to digital knowledge, know-how, and being comfortable. Yeah. The only additional thing I would add, this was brought up to me, I was probably four or five years into to my professional career at this point, and I got an email from somebody, and it was a forward of an email that we had just sent out. Mm-hmm. And she said, I don't know what this email is asking me to do. And so I was like, I, I'm not sure what you mean. So I called her huh? to again to our point, right? Like, yeah. let's just call people sometimes. Ask the question. So I called her and I said, Hey, I, 
can you help me understand? I don't, I don't, I don't know what you mean that you don't know what our email means. <laughs> and she said, Oh, great question. I am visually impaired. So I have a screen reader, right. That tells me what things say. And I get to this block in the middle of your email and there's, and there's nothing. The screen reader doesn't know what to tell me that it is. And I said, Oh, okay. And so we went back and we looked and we had an image, right. That was, Mm -hmm. um, you know, the name of the event, it had the date on it. It had the time that it was happening. It had, it had all the information in the image. So the only way you could get all the information was if you could see it. And I said, okay, I, I mean, I see what you're talking about now. Can you, how would I fix this? How would a screen reader be able to grab this? And she, she shared, and I think this is always one thing that I, I'm always very strict about now when I work with these are all image text. Right. Always make sure you put any information about an image in that all image text so that, a, because that's what that's for really, right? A screen reader can grab that info, pull that. But again, just another example of if right. I just talk to somebody, yeah. they can help me understand. And now I'm sure that's like, that's in our everyday, every time we make a, a graphic, right? But also making sure that we can replicate that information somewhere else in an email so that even for somebody who's not visually impaired, if the image doesn't load, they still have right. the information, right? So mm-hmm. it actually ended up helping everybody by strengthening um, kind of how we communicated that information. Yeah, that's a great example. And that's something that I've never thought of. So I'm going to take that away today. So yeah, so it's just like that, sharing knowledge and sharing stories. And it's learning from, not that that was a mistake, but learning from that and be so grateful for that person for pointing it out, right, too, because that kind of took a, a big step for, for them to do that. So yeah, so I will share also along the lines of accessibility. And I had a big aha moment in January. So we were executing a really large association meeting. It was not associated with ISAE, nor was the city or hotel. So I want to get that out there. (laughs) Disclaimer. Yeah, total disclaimer. And we had two attendees who were in wheelchairs. And since we were in such a highly utilized venue for meetings, I wasn't all concerned about accessibility issues. I knew they had elevators. I knew they had ramps. However, I didn't think I would have to test the elevators. Mm. So we had an elevator that was closest to the general session. Apparently it was broken. There was no signage on it. When one of my staff noticed that these two guests were in front of this elevator for an extended amount of time and my staff member went up to them and said you know can I help you and they pointed that out and so it takes a long time for engineering to Mm -hmm. come so we did find another one down the hall which was not convenient for them at all to utilize that and so we quickly learned the lesson and took it away from us that during our like morning walkabouts to make sure to test all the elevators Mm. that are right there, right? And then you know right then if they're not in working order and you can get engineering on it. So many times we see escalators that are just stopped and you're just like, oh, I assume those are get started again. Make the call, get it started before it turns into a problem. Yeah, absolutely. As we start to kind of wrap up our conversation, any other just maybe general resources or you know, checklists, tips and tricks, similar to what you just said, right? Like do a walkabout in the, in the, uh, before your day starts, right. To check on things, websites that you've gone to that you're like, okay, this is really helpful. I bookmarked it. I should go back to it when I'm thinking about these kinds of things, just other things that listeners could, could go to. I mean, I think 
Well, when you're talking about utilizing your network, LinkedIn is a huge one for, for me. When I'm reaching out to perhaps even other meeting planners that I've met through ISAE, that I could quickly message them and say, hey, have you ever utilized this? I think LinkedIn's the best spot to, to kind of work your network and not be afraid to ask them, right? But I definitely think, I mean, I would say the best tips and tricks, again, when searching for help, knowing that we're all super tight with budgets is leaning on college students. Mm. And that goes not just in accessibility, but if you want to have a string quartet play at your reception, reach out to a college orchestra. You know, you're not going to go to the the city symphony orchestra to <laughs> try to procure someone. Um, so it's just utilizing that. And then I feel like you're, it also makes me feel good because I feel like I'm giving them experience that they can build on and, and help down the line. So yeah, I'm just not, not to be afraid to ask if, yeah. you've, if you've got a, you know, a question, a poser. Yeah. Just share it. Perfect. No, I think that's great. If folks are interested in getting in touch with you, to learn a little bit more about your experience with accessibility um, and how you've addressed, you know, folks to make sure that, again, they can feel comfortable and they can participate fully. Uh, How might they want to get in touch with you? Yes, absolutely. So you can look for me on LinkedIn. um, And again, it's Jerry Moody, or I'm even more than happy to give you um, my email address. So it's J-E-R-I underscore M-O-O-D-Y, meet, M-E-E-T, avail, A-V-A-I-L, dot com. Email me, look me up on LinkedIn and message me. I would definitely love to continue the conversation. If you're an ISE member, look at, look for me at the next uh, 505 or annual meeting. So always love talking to the members. Perfect. Well, again, Jerry, thank you so much for being with us today. I know this is an extensive topic and there's lots of avenues and discussions that can happen on it, but I think that this was um, a good intro. Um, and I do hope that folks reach out to Jerry and um, learn a little bit more about what you can do to make your uh, meetings more engaging and more inviting and inclusive. Yes. Thank you, Nick. Thanks for having me. Of course. We hope you enjoyed this episode of You Should Hear This. If you have any questions you'd like answered or future topics you'd like us to explore, please send us an email at info at isae.org.